there are two tales waiting for you, told one after the other by an odd set of two. So prepare yourself, dear one, because this is Drops of Darkness. I am Stranger, and I tell only fantasies. Whenever your world has a grip on your throat, I am there, waiting to unleash the monsters that sleep in my mind so that they may remind you that you have sharp teeth and claws of your own. Life might have began in the water, but the seas are filled with unfathomable danger. And that first ancient beast that fled from the water and crawled onto dry land, it was far from the last. Spend enough time out on the ocean, and you'll understand why the risk of a death in the air and hot sun was worth taking. Between the waves, you'll get glimpses of what lies beneath. Callum saw more than a glimpse but with only a few weeks as a cabin boy to his name. No one believed the story he told when he stumbled into that tavern, still drenched in red-tinted seawater. Well, no one at first. The blood did draw attention, but it wasn't until a few curious sailors followed him back to the beach with lanterns in hand and found the half-eaten corpse in the bottom of his dinghy that they believed him. He might have been just a cabin boy, but the tale he told that night back at the tavern over his untouched pint of dark ale, it pulled the terror straight from the night-blackened sea, over the beach and the boat with the dead siren's body, and draped it over the hearts of even the most seasoned sailor. It was supposed to have been an easy voyage, just down the coast, with more time spent in the ports than out on the water. No one expected more danger than a low-balling merchant, or perhaps a few of the crew being lost in the bowels of a brothel. But neither of those things happened. They were quickly trading their goods for a growing pile of gold, and instead of losing sailors, they gained one. Luck was mentioned often, and when it was, it was about how it was undoubtedly on their side. But luck takes no sides, and it changes faster than the wind. Even young Callum knew that. But still, the only one who didn't fall prey to talk of luck or good fortune was their new shipmate, who hadn't said much other than to tell him his name, which was Naga. He spoke it in a deep voice and could not be brought to speak anymore as he seemed to prefer the sound of the waves to their conversations. Not once did Callum see Naga not moving, doing the work of three men without needing breaks for food or sleep. The captain was not usually one for outsiders, but he made an exception for Naga, who wanted only passage in exchange for his efforts. At night, Callum would see him pacing at the bow of the ship while humming a low, rolling tone from his bare chest. 
they were nearly home when the singing started, and there was no more talk of good luck. Only love or lust, depending on how the siren's song hit you. Callum knew nothing of either, so their singing only filled him with fear. He watched three men jump overboard before he saw the first flash of a tail in the water. But when Naga hummed, there were lulls in the sirens singing. But the others, they whispered in their half-senses of ill omens and curses. It only took a few hours, and without even so much as a show of hands, the rest of the crew descended on Naga as they chanted, To the sea, to the sea, to the sea. Driven beyond reason by the starting and stopping of the siren songs, they couldn't see what Callum saw in the water. Even when they lifted Naga's heavy body up onto the railing, they didn't see the scales glinting in the blackness as the sirens squirmed themselves into a tangled mass just below the surface. As one, they moved closer to the ship's starboard bow, where the outsider's body dangled halfway over the side. The deep hum Naga pushed from his chest thrummed through the deck and out over the water, and Callum watched as the tangle of silvery bodies pulsed to the rising and falling of his strange voice, unable to sing as they roiled. The cabin boy shouted to pull him back, that Naga was saving them from being lured overboard. The crew paused, just as the last man was about to let go. But unlike the sirens, Naga needed air for his song. The moment he stopped to draw the air back into his lungs, the soothing lullaby rang out once again from the waves. Callum watched as Naga's body hit the water, followed in mass by the remaining crew. The captain was last, and as he climbed over the railing, he looked back at the cabin boy. There was no fear in his face. Only a kind sort of pity for Callum, for being too young to feel the depth of such longing. Then he smiled and jumped. Callum ran to the side and watched as the captain swam through the floating pieces of what remained of his crew. The few still alive were still trying to swim, desperate to get closer to whichever siren already had their teeth in their flesh. The boy clamped his hands over his mouth to stifle the scream, so there was nothing he could do to block out the sound of the feeding frenzy below him. He backed away from the railing and tried to think of a good place to hide, but they were so close to home so close to the shoals and there was no one left to steer the ship away from the sharp rocks that stuck out from the water waiting to gut its hull like a fish if he wanted to get to the shore alive his only chance was the dinghy 
Lowering the small boat to the water left his palms raw and bleeding from the ropes, but he still managed to land it without making too much of a splash. Then he rowed and rowed and kept rowing until the sound of tearing, gnawing, and singing was finally drowned out by his oar strokes. He'd made it nearly halfway to the beach when a hand erupted out of the water. It grabbed onto the side, nearly capsizing the small boat, and Callum watched as Naga pulled himself into the dinghy before reaching back and hauling his meal in between their feet. The dead siren was still twitching, despite the fact that her head was missing. Row, Naga said, taking a bite of a webbed finger. His teeth were sharp and snapped clean through the bone. Were you trying to save us? Callum paused as Naga ripped off the last of the thumb muscle that hung from the stump of her wrist. Or did you lure them? Naga stared at him for a moment, then continued to eat. Why? Callum asked. Hungry, said Naga. There's blood in the water. Row faster. Callum was about to ask why, but before he could, he found out. An echoing moan came in from the open sea. Naga was facing the land, so he didn't see the wake that formed on the water. It happened so fast. The cabin boy didn't see what it was that grabbed Naga and pulled him under. He just knew what he saw was big and that it broke bones when it wrapped its tentacles around the man, and that if it wasn't for the current, the sea beast created as it dragged Naga out to deeper water, he never would have made it to shore. None of the sailors asked poor Callum about what he saw. They believed him, and did not want to know more, lest they decide to never return to the sea. Life might have began in the water, but death, death is what lives there now, and it's better to see no more than glimpses. Hello everyone. In between stories, we like to highlight a cause that is worth our collective attention. For February, we decided to highlight Renew as a Crew. This one is a little different, but no less important, as this fan-led volunteer group is leading a massive coordinated effort to reverse the unexpected cancellation of the critically acclaimed show, Our Flag Means Death. Stories matter, and this series' unapologetic exploration of identity through its queer storyline and ethnic diversity has made countless people feel seen, heard, and understood. To find out how you can support this movement working to prove that diverse stories are both wanted and needed in mainstream media, you can learn more at renewasacrew.com or through the link on our website at dropsofdarkness.com. Now, back into the shadows we go. I am someone, and I tell only truth. Whenever something slithers through the barrier between worlds, I am there. Not to stop them, but to watch them and remind you 
countless terrors your kind has survived, all on their own. This story was submitted by Anime3536, whose Reddit handle is listed in the episode's description. Back in the early 2000s, my friends and I were into ghost hunting for a few months. We would search out and go to the most haunted places we could find in our area. We went to many places, but only one yielded something that still creeps me out to this day. This house was in Chino, California. It's demolished now, and in Chino there was also a men's prison. Back in the 80s, I believe, this guy escaped the prison and found a home to hide out in. Back in the day, this was a rural community, mostly cows with houses few and far between. The house he broke into had a family living inside. A mother, a father, and two kids, a boy and a girl. In a nutshell, he cut the boy's throat, killed the girl in front of the parents, and then murdered both of the parents one in front of the other. He stayed there for a week or two before he left or got caught. I don't remember which. Anyway, fast forward to our ghost hunting trip. We eventually pull up to this house, of course in the middle of the night, because why not? The house, even though this was years later, was still there but all fenced up, boarded up windows, and crime scene tape with signs saying to keep out. Graffiti all over the house, typical stuff. My friends and I found our way through the fence and into the backyard area where a window had already had the boards removed and the window busted out. A couple of us had self-defense tools in case we ran into any unsavory people and also a camera to take pictures. There were five of us. We each went through the broken window one by one and waited for each other until we were all through. The inside of the house was completely empty except for smashed family pictures still on the walls. Graffiti also donned the inside of the house. The most creepy things were written on the walls and ceilings of the rooms. Things like, death is here and do not enter. The window we went through led us right into the middle of the living room, right behind what was the kitchen. All the pantry doors were open. As we walked through the house, we all formed a sort of conga line with me in the back. We walked around the living room first, and then the kitchen. The entire time, my buddy is taking random snapshots with his camera. The same camera we have been using for all of our different haunted locations, mind you. As the lead person goes into the hallway, we stop and look into the hallway closet to confirm part of the story. The escaped prisoner had gruesomely sliced the little boy's throat in an attempt to kill him. Little did he know that the boy crawled into the hall closet and held his throat and kept it from bleeding out while he watched the rest of his family get murdered right in front of him. When I opened the closet door that night, I would say about 70% of the carpet on the floor was soaked with old blood. It was definitely true. We continued along the hallway, and every room had super creepy and very eerie messages that left my skin crawling. We finally made it to the master bedroom where the parents were tied up and made to watch their children die and ultimately then be murdered in cold blood. Again, the carpet had old blood splattered all over it, and the entire room just had this overall sense of darkness to it, like a cold pressure. It was off-putting to say the least. 
As you entered that room, there was a light switch to the right on the wall. Right next to it was the creepiest message of them all. It gives me the tingles. I don't remember exactly what it said, but something like, Do not lock anyone in this room. Do not do it. This is not a joke. Please, for the love of God, don't. Needless to say, that creeped us all out. It didn't take us too long to explore the entire house. It wasn't that big. As we made our way out, I was still in the back of the line, and my buddy with the camera was still taking the occasional photo. It's the middle of the night and cold out still, pitch black in this house except for the one flashlight we remembered to bring. Then, just as we were leaving the hallway, I heard a little girl moan as clear as day. It made the hair on the back of my neck stand up and again gave me that tingly feeling. I specifically remember this next part. I remember I was going to ask the person in front of me if they heard that little girl moan, but I didn't say it like that because I didn't want to influence their answer. So I asked just like this, did you hear something? I remember asking it exactly that way. The person in front of me turned their head in slow motion with eyes wide open and said to me, I just heard a little girl moan. We both stood there in disbelief, shocked. There are no other houses around this place. It was on acres of farmland. We were absolutely the only ones in the house. It scared us to death. I don't know how to explain it well, but it sounded sad and with anguish, like it came from a deep, dark place. We ran out of that place so fast, one of my friends got cut on the window seal. The biggest dude in our group, like a 6'2", huge guy, couldn't make it back to the car because he was so terrified that he couldn't move his legs. He was on the floor outside bawling his eyes out. He was saying stuff like, the devil's in that house. One of the girls that was with us had to take him by the hand and comfort him before he could get up and get to the car. That was our last expedition to Anywhere Haunted. A few days later, my buddy uploaded those photos to his computer. As we went through them, we noticed all the photos before and after the house were perfectly fine and clear but the photos from the Cooper house were filled with orbs. It was the craziest thing to see. Orbs flying in the middle of the rooms. I wish I had those photos, but it wasn't my camera, and this was before smartphones. About 15 years or so later, maybe in 2020, I randomly see a newspaper on my mom's dinner table. No one gets those anymore, right? Well... I see off to the side right on the front page that the escaped convict was finally being put to death, decades after everything happened. I thought it was weird how that came full circle. I never seen newspapers anymore, but there it was. Also, from what I understand, the young boy whose throat was slit ended up in a mental institution for the rest of his life. It still gives me the tingles to this day thinking about it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Drops of Darkness, which is written, voiced, and produced by Anodyne Vaughn 
and Cameron Helquike. If you enjoyed your drift into the shadows, help keep the stories alive by sharing the show, leaving a review, and if you really want to earn the favor of these dark storytellers, tether yourself to their world by tapping subscribe. If you have a true paranormal story of your own that you'd like to be read by someone, you can make the offering to submissions at dropsofdarkness.com or through the form on our website. Until next time, dear one, and remember, when the darkness looks your way, hold its gate.